You are listening to the Young Western Podcast with your hosts, Cheyenne and Montana Donuquette, where we talk about all things from Western lifestyle to your dating stories and honestly everything in between that. Hope you enjoy. Don't forget, ladies, head to KDB for all your Cowgirl Tough, Kimes Ranch, CC Western, and rock and roll denim needs. I reckon I realized that when I seen um seen the photos. Yeah, yeah. I can't say I'm perfect, definitely not. But I remember I come around the second barrel and I was there was definitely an oh my gosh, I'm gonna land on my back like a turtle. And yeah. it was quite funny and I somehow stayed on and he got second in the round. And then Well, I think I he's a, he looks like a fairly strong horse, like a fairly powerful horse. Yeah, he's he's so smooth and I think that's what saved me. But then yeah. his acceleration, that is just unreal. So you definitely want to be going with him, not behind him. <laughs> definitely. Well, we've kind of already started, but um, uh-huh. everyone, welcome back to another episode of the ABHA special Young Western Podcast. Today, as you might have already guessed, we have the lovely Katina Matthews from Flying M Performance Horses on. How are you, Katina? Really good. How are you? I am great. I am great. Now, we are both uh, prepping to leave, I guess, well, I'll leave tomorrow, but to compete at the ABHA finals this week coming. And I thought it would be a great time to get you on to talk a little bit about how you prepare for these finals for different horses and things. But maybe we do go back to last year and just talk about just how well you did go last year at the ABHA finals. Yeah, no, I had um, a pretty good finals. There was some ups and downs, um, some hilarious moments that I survived and thankfully Gangster put it all on show in the last round and come out and run the fast time finals and won the round. So that was good and won the average. And so Gangster is your extremely talented stud. He's uh, by seconds to fame out of Luscious, Luscious Letitia. Letitia. Yeah. Right? Yep. Her man eyes a stripper name. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it really is. <laughs> um, and so... Sort of going into so sorry, so you won the uh divisional bow race on gangster. That's what you ended up winning last year with the fastest time of the whole weekend. Yes, yes. He ran a seventeen two. I can't remember the other digits. I think I was just in shock when I pulled up in the alley and heard it because when I heard Britney's time, I was like, Oh dear, I don't know how I'm gonna pull this off. And I went and spinned my horse out the back and I hope for the best. <laughs> Is that the fastest time he's ran on a full course? Um, yeah, he hasn't actually got to run at the ALEC that much. He got to go, I think, the year before, the year before that, before all the COVID stuff. And then, yeah, he just, I think he might have run a 17 there at the show beforehand, but it was a lot heavier and looser, like it wasn't very wet. And then, yep. yeah, seventeen two is probably the fastest time he's run there. I mean, in Australia, there isn't too many grounds that we kind of even would be able to run really, really, like, low 17s on, let alone, like, ALEC's probably one of the main grounds that those um, runs can be made on, really. Yeah, and it's quite tricky ground, too. Like, they've got to get it wet enough and enough dirt and then definitely the moisture content to hold it all together. Because yeah. it can just, like, a lot of horses will sort of slip or fall or, yeah, it's a little bit strange. Yeah, definitely. I guess they've changed the ground there so much for so many different events too and, yeah. 
So going back to last year, we'll kind of roll straight in. Um, tell us about kind of, I want to talk about how you prepped Gangstar and you can sort of talk broadly about you've had many winning seasoned, like fully trained rodeo horses. How did you get Gangster ready to run at the ABHA finals last year? I know you were kind of making, you were rodeoing him like up until the finals. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I think we had Walgett and that was just after winter. So that was his first one back. And I was a bit slack. I had a few horses in work, so I just trotted him out and he ran beautiful. And then we went to Gresford and if he could have hit the barrel over the damn fence, he would have. He hit it out of the pen. And that <laughs> kind of scared me coming into finals because, and I don't normally take one bad run and get a bit nervous, but I definitely got nervous. So we did a lot of stuff at home. And I actually even put my irons up because I was like, maybe I'm not riding square enough into the back of the turn. Yeah. Well, by the time I got to the finals, one, I nearly fell off in the first round and thought I was going to land like a turtle on my back. <laughs> and two, in the maturity, I ran up into the second barrel and he stepped away from the barrel because he, I had tuned him so hard on it. And I was like, no, when he done it, I had to pat him because he'd done what I'd asked. But yeah. inside I was screaming because it it really cost me time-wise in that run. He's, he, is he a very, like, literal horse? Like, if you uh, oh, say he's like, where he's we're going. Kinda, yeah, he's very teacher's pet. So yeah. you can hurt his feelings pretty easily because <laughs> he never really does anything wrong. But he's funny, like. He's very, like, I guess if you're in a very lux luxury sort of sports car, like, he can just sort of, like, he constantly feels like he's got that lift whenever you're trotting in the paddock yeah. or loping, like, that acceleration. Like, he's really cool to ride. Yeah, and, like, a huge amount of presence, I guess. So, like. Yeah. And just even when you do the pattern, if I, like, walk it or trot it, like, you could just sit in the middle of your reins and he just naturally will, like, trot up there, put his hip in and. He just yeah. does everything like on a like a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, he's very set. So, um, so he had a break over Easter. You gave him some time off. Is that right? Then brought him back in, or had he been in work for like, leading into the finals? Yeah, and normally yeah. before I go to any sort of big show or even to a rodeo, I really like a minimum of twelve weeks for fitness and. <clears throat> We'll do up to sort of 12K, uh, not 12K, 6K. I do 4K of trotting and then I do a K each of um, loping on that lead because I like to work in pretty balanced. Yeah, yeah. That and is, then, um, I feel like a lot of people overlook just how much fitness they probably need. Yeah, I, um, I think one thing I really learned over the years, you know, they – some of those feed bags and different things when you're hauling so hard. And I remember one year, I think I might've done like, it was so crazy. I wouldn't do it again, but it was like 65 radios in a year when I was chasing my first bushy title. It was like real trailer races, you know? Um, yeah. But we, like I found graining them, like not just your standard two scoops. Like I will feed up to four dippers of grain, as much hay as they eat, can eat and really keep them, full and built up and strong and I found my horses never really got flat yeah, where yeah. I think you see a lot of horses throughout the year they'll peak and dip 
Definitely. Definitely. Yep. So with your, so you'll try them and, and a lot of flat work. Are you then, um, are you kind of working these more seasoned horses? Are you kind of doing any kind of pattern work or fast work during the week? Those really, really good ones. Um, if we're just rodeoing, rodeoing every weekend, they mainly, once they're really fit, I might only work them three to four times a week, but they get trotted out. I just keep an eye on their fitness and try not to overwork them. Yeah. But normally one day a week, it doesn't matter who they are, they get pattern work. And it's normally just at a trot and a lope. But it's yeah. just making sure everything's staying good. They're not pushing the bridle. I like my horses pretty backed out of the bridle. Yeah. Because I do, and I like them really weight broke. So just making sure they're listening to my weight and staying, not pushing in my hands. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. So Gangster was, he would have had like 12 weeks coming up to the ABHA finals last year? Yes, yes, he did. Um, he would have had 12 weeks uh, before Walgett or probably yeah. maybe he was eight weeks before Walgett and then by the time we got the finals, he was 11 or 12. But coming into that sort of season, like obviously it's the breeding season, um, oh, yeah. so you stallions are actually going to trot up and down the fence a little bit or they're just moving around a lot more so you got to factor that into their fitness too yeah 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 they're normally a lot fitter like it's kind of nice they don't have to like work so hard but they are generally fitter that time of the year because they're doing a little bit more yeah definitely and so with um do you you kind of sprint work much like as in just straight line sprints and things like that it really depends on the horse and where I'm going before I go to the ALEC I do like my horses pretty like fit sprint wise because it's just such a large pen. So you've really got to have those horses fit. Um, You got to condition their lungs. So like their respiratory health is important too, but I think he would have had two or three sprints before we went there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I find any sort of enclosed pens, I'm going to sprint my horse or if my horse is feeling pretty rady, I'm going to sprint them. Yeah, just cool. to try and even that out a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so and even you- like when I heard Brittany's time, like I took him for a quick sprint out the back because my thing was I was either I was going to be so damn fast and either run past the barrel, but I knew I had to be that fast to keep up with her. So right, I think that's what it paid off because otherwise he would have been like probably just a little rady, but I just I knew I had to be going to go around that time. Oh yeah, definitely. You have to have be like putting everything on the line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, going f- f- sort of on from that into feeding, what mm-hmm. start with like haze and things like that. Um, what is your feed routine with these horses? Obviously, you feed a lot, but I feed a lot. Um, I do feed my stock, Like you know, I feed them a race feed, like with synergy, yeah. and then I feed them breed and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like to keep it pretty simple. It it changes throughout the year a bit, but mainly my barrow stock, I feed them chaff, like a blended and a loosen. They get hay. Um, supplement wise, I do like pulmonade um for their lungs. Mm-hmm. I I love foresight. I use pedicine. I don't yeah. I think those two in conjunction with each other are so important because these horses are taking, you know, it's so hard to keep a good barrel horse sound and I'm really blessed with gangster but like 
I have had him from when he was four year old and I thought he was going to be great. So he was on a really strict maintenance program with the Foresight and Pedersen straight off the bat because I wanted him long term. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, so, what kind of hay are you feeding? Uh, Lucen. I get really lovely Lucen hay from a really good friend of mine, Michael Bloom. And I, yep. if I get one that doesn't really like Lucen, you get the odd one that they might puff up in the legs. Yeah, I feed yeah. oaten to them, but mainly I do like Lucen. And I've and been pretty lucky. I've never had problems with mares tying up or anything, yeah. but I think it's more so they get enough like electrolyte. I'm big at feeding electrolytes and vitamins, so... Yeah, so when do you feed um your electrolytes? Like are you just are you giving them electrolytes after hard days of work or I just yeah, more so like in your summer months and stuff like that or hard days work. You gotta be careful with electrolytes with your like barrel horses if they're ulcerprane because it um can upset their stomach quite a bit. Yeah, but right. yeah, just a lot of those good complete feeds like barostock and stuff like that, they're um they're balanced. So you, you don't generally have too much dramas unless they've had a really stressful day with work and they're really hot and sweaty or something like that. But I have found by putting like that red cap beach port in their waters, uh-huh. it's pretty like it ma- it maintains itself kind of thing too. Yeah. You don't sound too um, over the top when it comes to supplements and things like that. Is that right? Do you reckon? No, I think we can all get a little carried away because we love our are fluffies and we try to give them everything but I do find you can definitely go overboard with them yeah and a lot of the products are all doing the same thing so yeah even in the fees like you were saying like they're these days our feeds are getting so much more balanced that we're kind of doubling down on most supplements we're feeding I would say yeah yeah I definitely agree with that like I just really the main supplements is an airway supplement I do feed the inside out of EAC mm-hmm. and what would be the other one? Oh, I feed the Kentucky Equine Research Oil. Okay, so it's like an airway, like a gut health ulcer kind of supplement. They're getting their electrolytes and they're getting the overall kind of vitamins and minerals with either their feeds or like beach port and things like that anyway. Yeah, yeah. and then it just depends on your horse. Like the really good ones that are going down the road every weekend are getting their joint supplements obviously with um foresight and pedersen but yeah like if i get one that's really ulcery and stressy like i'm probably going to put it on like ulcer guard or something like that but otherwise i do try to keep it pretty simple yeah definitely on from that um sort of the last thing i wanted to talk about with these good horses is do you have any sort of set routine when it comes to different treatments whether it be like massages chiros um there's so many different kinds of things that we can do to maintain these horses health but also improve their performance even to being anything you're really like um kind of a, a different i don't know treatment or something that you've stuck with over the years or anything you use quite a lot i really love pulse and mm-hmm. gangster gangster really thrives on it too yeah. um it depends on ho- like your horse like I'm so lucky, like gangster, every time you, I might get the chiropractor to him twice a year and they're always like, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. But I think that really comes down to confirmation. And then there's some young horses I got here, they might be out in the ribs. So you sort of got to tailor it to your horse, what your horse likes. Some horses really don't like therapies. Like 
and they really struggle with it. Like they don't like people in their grill and you're better off leaving those horses alone as much as you can. Just check on them here and there for soreness. Mm -hmm. But if your horse really loves them, like I'm a big believer in icing their legs. Um, I really love the pulse. Um, I think anything you can do that your horse enjoys, keep them relaxed while on the road. I found awesome, really loved um, his equisage before he would run. And same yeah. with Abby. Um, but as far as, oh, and Abby loved acupuncture. That really worked for her. I found she wouldn't have won her title without that. But, like, yeah. Awesome was not really a fan of it. So was he did Abby better with like it. in a skin kind of mare? Uh, like a sensitive and, like, thin-skinned? Or? No, she's not really. She's just, um, she kind of hates everyone. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. <laughs> doesn't really love people in a grill unless she is happy if it's on her terms and yeah. towards the end she was my best mate but like if you were to walk up with uh, at her she would pin her ears and snarl at you so she was yeah. pretty she was chestnut mary <laughs> Fair enough. and i mean the whole chiropractor not needing to do a whole lot on gangster probably also has a lot to do with um how much fitness you are like how fit you're making sure these horses are so then by the time they do run their sort of body is capable to make those runs yes I agree um I think if you're just uh, running them at home flat out and constantly drilling them they need to be trot out and allowed to put their heads down and really stretch and round their back that really helps yeah I think working horses and making them around their backs really helps it makes them strong and everything holds together better yeah. um if you're letting your horse be a strung out noodle every day of its life it's probably going to be weak across the back and the loins yeah. and not be able to drive and you know stay sound that way it just seems to make them if your back strong and over the hips and the loins they seem to not get so chiropractically sore all the time but then yeah. you get the other one that's just a mess and it's like, well, Jesus. And, I mean, it, it's so many things. It can even be their mind. You know, they're like a lot more of an anxious horse and they get tight in certain areas and they shorten up and then they, yeah, it's. Yeah. Yep. It is definitely like, horse spaces. It's definitely on the horse. Do whatever works for your horse. Like even going back to fitness, like Abby, I used to lead off the bike and she was more horrible to ride home than rodeos. And then even if I had to work her on barrels, I'd lead her to the starting line on the bike bridle her up do my barrel work and get off her and wow. she really yeah she was intense and she really <laughs> liked it that way but if I tried to ride her during the week um she like it was just very tough going yeah I, we were yeah. both frustrated by the end so it was better to avoid yeah. and I've even got a young chestnut mare here and she has probably been she is so talented but she's probably been one of the toughest ones I've had for a while and she's very much the same like leader leave her alone um get her on her once or twice a week make sure she's soft and you know like pull around here and there and make sure following your nose and got body control but otherwise leave her alone yeah like she's a workhorse she goes and does a job and leave her alone yeah yeah so and then gangsters like trot me out every day I love it and yeah, you know yeah, he's not weird or quirky at all. So I don't – he missed the stereotype for bar racing horses for sure. That's funny. Um, Montana's horse Bobby, who's second to fame out of Cody, 
it's, yeah. he just sounds similar. Like he just, lo- he's just got to go to work every day. He's like ready to be caught. And he's like, just, he sort of wants to do th- things his way a little bit, but he just loves bow racing, loves working. He's like so happy to do it all. <laughs> yeah. Like we were riding horses here. I have had lessons all over the weekend and we were laughing at gangster because we we're all on horses about to go ride. And he's like, fucking up and down on the spot because he's like how dare you like it's my time now and yeah. like it just gave us all a laugh like he was so fresh and feeling good so kind of wish yeah. I was taking the finals this year but oh well we'll be back next year I can imagine speaking of being on the road so much is there anything um you do to kind of like do you try and stop and get them off every however many hours or is there any kind of product like um, I know a lot of people use back on track products, different magnet products. Is there anything you've found really helps or works well on the road? Do love the back on tracks. They do work. I have found one or two horses that really didn't like them though. Yeah, um, I don't know if they could it, like stand the circulation or stuff like that, but I really did love the back on tracks. Gangster loves the back on tracks. Um, it's important to get your horses off. I don't go over five hours, but I like four. Yeah. And just getting them off, get their head down and stuff like that. If I have one that's really ulcery, sometimes I'll feed them on the trailer while I'm traveling. I know a lot of people don't like that. They're worried about choke, but I think because my horses get so much food here, they are very slow eaters. So I don't normally have that. They're not trying to hoover, but you do get the odd one that's like that. So I just won't feed then. But otherwise, yeah, I like to keep that simple. Um, I like the swell down poultice and stuff or Mm. like your rappy gel, but I'm even pretty simple with stuff like that too. Yeah. I think it's important to feel over their legs and really be aware of any little differences in them more so that way and yeah. treat it accordingly yeah definitely and so going so this year um at the ABHA Farners you're taking sort of more younger horses is that right yes I um I've got one of my own and then I've got five other horses that aren't my own but they're kind of <laughs> like my children I guess yeah so it's definitely a weird different year for me and It'll be very fun, but I'm going to probably be very tired because I think I've got like something crazy, like 16 runs by the end of it. So, oh my gosh, lady. Yeah, I know. Welcome back from surgery. Get into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, is there anything? So, with the younger horses or a little bit more greener horses, I'm thinking, um, maybe futurity horses or even sort of those ones that are like, oh, this one's a little bit further behind or whatever. Are you working them on the, You, I guess you're doing the same kind of fitness program, like making sure they're plenty fit enough and fed up. But yeah. are you working them on drums anymore? Or? They're probably getting worked on some different drills, make sure they're staying soft and supple, stuff like that. I think it was a bit interesting when I went to Geary. We had an alleyway and um, – I was a bit shocked so many went out the front of it and loped around a circle, like out in front near the barrels where they could see it because yeah. I personally looked at it as you run so blind at the ABHA finals, use yeah. that alleyway and make them come out and have a look for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think how you exhibition them at the ABHA finals is a big one. Like me personally, oh, I can't. Yeah. Pardon. 
yeah, I was going to say, what is your outlook on kind of exhibitions at the finals? Um, what do you try to do generally? I try to, my, well, how I do it, which I'm probably going to say this and then everyone's going to do it. And I'll probably, there'll be all oh. my spot where I want to be, but I don't mind. But um, if I've got a righty, when I ride out in the group, I'll walk out the alleyway and go to the left because mm. my way of thinking it, if you walk to the right, they're naturally going to want to lean to the first barrel. Yeah. So I'm going to step them away and go around the arena to the outside. Then I'll normally trot or local up and then I'm going to go sort of just between the first two barrels and take them right to the fence and counter bend them. Yeah. Because I've just, one thing I've noticed all the years ago on the ALEC, they naturally want to get in, like, because yeah. it's so enclosed and stuff like that. So I really, and I keep that forward momentum when I get to the fence and ride them nearly nose to the fence and I'll counter bend them away and I just keep going through that, like, to those two barrels. Yeah. And might do it once or twice to the third. Um, When you do your time only and go through, make sure you go in the pens to start your time only and I'll either try to lope a lap and I'll push it. I really like me personally when I've ever run there, I like to push along the back fence deep and then pop out through the alley and it just kind of puts you in a really good spot yeah. to come to your first barrel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've done that on all of them all the way through, like the year awesome won it to gangster. And I've just found that really works, but you are pretty blind going to that first barrel. So it's really important, but the timers are so close. You need to be going. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where sometimes when you take young horses away from home and exhibition and you keep them just loping those circles before you take off, it can sort of work against you down the track. Yeah, I think that they're done. I think a lot of people kind of take that circle thing like a lot of people coming up say that are that are just kind of like observing and then thinking oh we might need to do that because so-and-so does it or whatever generally yeah. and I, I don't know if I'm speaking for you as well but yeah. if I'm doing a circle to the right or the left before I am then letting a horse kind of go through the pattern it's they're generally that green that they kind the of yeah. holding their circle you know what I mean like it's, it's yeah. more time to help them hold their circle yeah and like on those greener ones at the finals yeah you could lope a circle in that side pen but when they get out there they're still got to be looking for their first barrel yeah so when you actually get the opportunity to go away from home and work them out of an alley use that as a seasoning process thing because it's really important for when you get to shows like this yeah and I think a lot of the times we probably lose um or, or don't realize the importance of them being able to open a straight line you know what I mean like we, we yeah. can so nice in a circle but then they they do their beautiful circle and then they got the middle of the pen and they're just lost they're like where do I go and I'm going to change my lead five times <laughs> hold me together what am I doing <laughs> Um, like dodgeball duck dive what is it weave <laughs> all, of the, all of the things so um okay so you've had so most of these horses are clients horses have you you've ha- like decided that you need to have them for a certain period of time I would assume before these finals yes um well well Pete I'm riding one of like Sean Reynolds horse that she trained Pete I think I've had four rides with him now so oh, we're gosh. going in pretty blind but he's a beautiful horse and well trained so yeah I'm I like to think I'm good at jump jockeying but I guess we'll find out um and then there's like sort of horses that have been here for a while and you know they range from like 1d horses probably to maybe two 
to 3D horses with that sort of half second split. So, yeah, just yeah, people that good. didn't have the opportunity to ride them themselves and ask. So, yeah, here I am. Yeah. Well, I think I've covered most things. Um, oh, just one more thing with your. So I feel like this is a funny kind of question and and or like subject or whatever. And a lot of people do things differently. Now you obviously don't have to go into details with vets and things like that. But I find it so with our going horses, and I would like to assume for majority of people who run going horses, at some point they're going yep. to the vets and and doing yep. maintenance. Agreed. At what point? With your younger horses, do you do you ever just kind of like go, okay, yep, this is a four-year-old, five-year-old year, let's get them taken to the vets, just get them run yeah. over? Is this kind of something that you um, have in your routine or, or really kind of value a lot? Um, I do work with vets a lot. It's so taboo over here. It's so weird. It's really um, happening. With you go to the vets. States and they're injecting horses in the corner. Um, yeah. I'm like, look. I when they're four year old and we because I start I start mine a little later. I like yeah. I break them in, I get them really broke, and I keep bringing them in and out. So I don't actually I'll trot the pattern and stuff like that with them when they're three year olds. But we don't do a lot of loping, really tight circles, and barrel work to their four. So mm-hmm. generally, mine having got the wear and tear. If you're starting them earlier, you're gonna have that wear and tear. But I mm-hmm. do get x-rays taken on my horses every year um, yeah. and we show them and everything to the x-rays. That has really helped. I'm very lucky with Gangster. He's never had to have an injection yet, but I'd say it's because, one, he got started later. Two, yeah. we've worked the x-rays and he's been on a really good joint maintenance program with Pedersen Foresight. Yeah. Am I opposed to injecting horses? No, don't, don't run a horse sore you're just going to run into way more problems. If your horse needs injecting, go for it. Like there's going to be stuff from they were being stupid in the paddock and they hurt themselves and that horse is going to have to be on a joint injection program. In saying that, get a good vet. Don't get some non-lameness vet to go inject your horses. You're going to run into issues like whether – you're at high risk for joint inject, like um, joint infections. They might really upset the joint when they do it. I've seen that. So mm-hmm. always make sure you do your homework on good bits. But so and far, think- touch wood, I haven't had to inject any futurity horses or anything like that. I do try, if I can, to wait till they're over a 10-year. Like if they need it beforehand, go ahead. But if if I can, I'd prefer to try and save that in my kit down the track. Yeah. Just because the more you inject into a joint, like in the arthritis and different things, it can just get harder to inject them. Yeah. So, yeah, like I can definitely see why they do it in the States. All of these horses are getting run earlier and then they're going to the breeding barn or brood mares and you know what I mean? But they yeah, definitely. Yeah, the pick of their career might be from, you know, five yeah. to eight or nine. Which and, it's and- probably like. In all honesty, if people are using them for breeding purposes over here, it's fine. Like, I don't really mm-hmm. see the big drama with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, too, like, you look at Awesome and he was brought along properly, too, and he run up into his 20s and he probably would have kept going. He was just really unlucky to his groin. Yeah, right, yeah. So, and, like, Abby, um, 
she was a bit more dilapidated. Um, she, she was always falling apart, so she was getting injections and stuff like that, and I wasn't opposed to them because she needed them. But yeah. I had a good lameness vet too, so. Yeah, but, and I um, think the, like, personally, I don't know, it is quite taboo sometimes, but mm. I think the better relationship you have with your vet and the horses, like, I I think people probably don't realise how often a lot of people will take their, vets, their horses to the vets and get them overlooked and not do much at all. Like the bet, the, the more you kind of have your vet involved with your program, whether it be X-raying and shoeing and things, usually the less kind of maintenance you have to do. I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you definitely need a good vet and a farrier. They're the definitely definitely the starting blocks to being successful. If you don't have them, you are kind of screwed from the get go. But just having doing those extra and I know it's costly and I think that scares people too but mm. in the long run you're going to have a sounder horse by working with the vet and the farrier right from if you have a nice four-year-old and you know it's going to be a badass look after it and do all the things because you'll have that horse for a lot longer yeah definitely and I think it, it shows like I like I'm very lucky touch wood because my vet's probably cussing me right now for even saying, like, he's a very sound horse. But that's one thing. And it was a different protocol I tried. Because every year you try something different with each one. You try to work out what the best way to go about it. Because at the end of the day, barrel horses love to hurt themselves. And it's fair, It's fairly a lot of wear and tear on them. So yeah, just trying different things and letting them grow and going through the process to see what produces a sounder horse at the end. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Yeah, I think yeah. the Americans have got it nutted out pretty good. So instead of it being taboo, maybe everyone should listen to those podcasts and just be open-minded to it. Yeah, I think open-minded to it and just not, like, I don't really understand the bow racer shame kind of thing. Like, as in, I think as a as a collective there was a lot of like shame around being honest about what you actually did at the vet when every single one of us knew exactly what everyone did at the vet yeah do you know what I mean like like, whoa she takes her horse to the vet let's shame her and it's it shouldn't be like that like and there's this the ones that are educated they'll like if they get stuck they'll come ask you they're like like what are you doing or I'm having trouble with this and what do you reckon and it's really cool when you can get around open-minded people like that because yeah, you can share things that worked for you and vice versa. Yeah. And you would like to assume, and, and a lot of great vets in this country I know, are all very responsible vets that are not going to medicate a horse beyond its capabilities, you know, if if they are kind of... I think you see that more with owners. Right, vet shopping and things They'll like do... that anything to win I'm not I shouldn't say that that but no it's like, true it, yeah like your horse gets hurt give it the time trust me like it will pay you back in the end but yeah, like I just always say to my vet what is best for the horse do we need more time do we need to do this and like I'm very lucky like with Philippe or Phil Manchin like he'll say think we need to do this like he is so on board and we work together like that to be like no let's give let's just give him time or let's do this like 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's where having a good vet or farrier or whatever, it's it works in your favour. Yeah. Because they and might I, be like, give me $600, I'm going to stick a needle in here and here and here, where, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we're going to hope to that it works and give you three months. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Okay, well, I think we have covered most things in regards to prep for these big events. Yeah. Um, I just want to wish you a very good luck very good luck. That sounds so weird. I want to wish you good luck <laughs> this week at the ABHA finals. I'm sure that everyone will be so excited to watch you run. Yeah, I can't wait, but no, it should be a good week. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today about all this stuff. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Shai. No worries. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Young Western Podcast. If you like this, you can head over to Facebook and find our closed Facebook page, the Young Western Podcast, or you can follow the links in our bio to all of our private Instagrams and TikToks and things like that. Any new episodes will be promoted on there, or you can email us at youngwesternpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.